sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Some of you also, you have very bad negotiation skills, and I'm coming to that. Very, very bad negotiation skills. And as I read Titus 2 verse 5, I saw that Paul said, the older women should teach the younger women to be discreet, to be sober, to be lovers of good things, to be temperate, to love their husbands, to love their children, and to, to, to be good, just goodness. It's all in the Bible. And I realized that even to have good negotiation skills, you need all these qualities that have been mentioned in Titus 2. Amen. Now you say to me, Lady Reverend, what negotiation am I going to do? In law, usually we have negotiation. When a country wants to give you a loan, you have to go and negotiate for the loan. Negotiate for why they should give you more, what will you use it for. So you go for negotiations. It's a meeting. In the spiritual world, you can say it's something like intercession, interceding. It's, it's about like dispute resolution. How do, you, how do you deal with difficult situations, conflicts, complex situations? How do you deal with it? Let's go to Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. The marriage of the lamb has come and the bride or the wife has made herself ready. Amen. Now negotiation skills are not only required in marriage. Amen. They are required in all our relationships. And I pray that the Lord will lead us as he shows us what to do. Reading from verse 1. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, with us rather the king's commandment and his decree came. There was great mourning among the Jews and fasting hmm, and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it to her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai. Verse 5. Then called Esther for Hattak one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hattak went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city, which was before the king's gate, and Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him, and to make request before him for her people. And Hatta came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther spoke unto Hatta and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that Whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king, into the inner court, who is not called, 
there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty years. Hmm. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlightenment and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Amen. Now what in essence Mordecai was asking Esther to do is, go and sort out this issue with your husband. Go and talk over this issue with your husband and bring results. And at the first time, Esther didn't even know what was going on. The Jews were weeping, they were wailing, they were fasting, they had put on sackcloth and ashes. But she was in the temple, so she didn't know what was happening down there. Some of you, when God lifts you up, you disengage with everybody that you knew on your way up. And you become distant from grassroots. This is a political speech. And you become detached from the grassroots. So she didn't know what was happening. So her maids came and told her. And when her maids told her, she saw that Bodhikar was weeping, sackcloth, whatever. So she sent him clothes that try and not weep so much. Don't be too emotional. You are a man. And Bodhikar refused. So now she sent a higher commander and says, I'll go and find out what is happening. And then the commander came back and told us that, look, there's been a letter that all Jews should be destroyed. And that letter has been sent to every province and every region. So it's not like if the Jews are in Takradi, they will not be touched. Everywhere, countrywide, this is what is happening. And we need you to help. To be a good negotiator, you need to know all your facts. If there's a dispute between you and your husband, a dispute between you and your pastor, a dispute between you and your mother, a dispute between you and your boss, you need to make yourself informed with all the facts. For if Esther had gone before the king, and the king had said, so what do you want me to change? Ah, Mordecai said they had problems. What kind of problem? Oh, he was saying something like the Jews, they have a problem, but you know. But the first thing she did was to ascertain all the facts. Some of you have relationships that you are not talking to the person anymore. You have relationships that have turned sour. There's no communication. Sometimes even between husband and wife. Some of you, it has not happened now, but it will happen in the future. When it happens, how do you go about it? You need all the facts, not the gossip. Because when the maids came, they told us, oh, this is what's happening, whatever. But somebody to dispassionately listen and get the real facts on the ground and come and report that, that was Hatak the commander. Now, in marriage and relationships, a lot of issues that come up are from gossip. This person said, that person said, my friend told me, my mother said, old wives' fables, I can't proverbs. They are all inside. But you need to cut off all these things and whittle things down to the facts. So she sent Hatak the commander and he brought all the facts. Esther, this is what Mordecai says. This is what he says is happening to the Jews. So I should tell you. And then she begins to give excuses. But in the midst of the excuses, she also knows the scope of what the laws in the palace are. 
Amen. Some of you, before you go and negotiate with your husband, something you, you see, marriage is conflict prone. Because first of all, you are a man and woman. That alone makes you very different. And therefore, you have different perspectives. Number two, you have different temperaments. That's also another divisive factor. Number three, you have different backgrounds. That's also a, diff a, 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 a different divisive factor. Number four, you will have different values. He may value Christmas Day, but may not value weddings and anniversaries and birthdays. You have different values. That also is a point of contention. Then you have different desires, different expectations. So you may be too sinful, but the differences are there. And those things bring conflict into our lives. Even if it's not marriage, it's just you and a friend, you and your choir director, you and people have different temperaments. Different. So you must know the facts before you go. You must know about your spouse or your husband before you go and approach the person. Sometimes you know that men don't like a lot of words. How many of you know that? And you women, you want to discuss with a lot of words. Okay, so wait, wait, what are you saying? I am saying that, you know, when you go about this this way, it really hurts me. And even in say, it's not what Antiaraba is saying. What are you saying? Often we are so verbal that we don't go according to the facts. We just talk, I'm very hurt. Why are you very hurt? Because of what you did. They ask us, what did I do? What you did last night? Which one? Is it the food that you made me? The call I made? Which one? How can you say you don't know? What you did last night? Are you trying to say you don't know? He doesn't know. Because you have so many embellishments around the facts that the facts are not clear. Amen. I have learned that you should tell men what you want them to do. Not what they have done wrong. Do you understand? So, why are you always shouting? Why are you talking to me like that? Why are you talking to me in the presence of this person like that? Why are you... Those are questions. But bring answers that, please, I don't like it when you talk to me like this in the presence of this person. Please put a stop to it. They can relate to it. But why are you always... Ah, because I don't see anything wrong with it. And why are you always... Because it's not a big deal. Why are you always... And the conflict doesn't get solved. Get the facts. But your mates are telling you that Mordecai is crying in the gates and going up and down. And so what? What are the facts on the ground? What is bringing the tears and the weeping and the, what needs to be solved? So she sent Hatak. And surely Hatak came with no embellishments. He didn't say when I saw Mordecai, hey, how his cloth was torn. But we, you know, we were descriptive. But you kicked out all the facts. Descriptive. He can make drama. He was crying, hey. How his eyes were swollen. And now, so what, what are the facts? Tell us. When Hatta came, he just said the facts. And then Esther also told Mordecai the law. She told Mordecai, what are the protocols in your home? What are the protocols in your relationship? Some of you, you are married to Ashanti men who are steeped in their tradition. You have to say, Mira, I was saying that, Mira, you know, and some people don't mind. But some people, you have to say, Mura. One pastor told me, hey, he's not in Lighthouse. He told me, when you go to Nigeria and you see how the women bow to the ground before they even give their husbands water, you will be impressed. <laughs> he was going to get married and his wife was sitting by him, so it was a message. <laughs> then I said, well, when you go to Zambia, the women bow before you like this. When I went for daughter, they bow on the ground, they did, they did, to give you just water. But then the pastor had said to, so Bishop said, hey, you are very submissive women in Zambia. The pastor said, Bishop, they are bowing with their knees, but in their hearts, they are standing up. <laughs> so I told this pastor, I said, uh, they may be bowing down, it's just a Yoruba culture, but in their hearts. Are they also bowing down? So I have not thought about that. I said, think about that. Think about it. For we may not bow and do prostinaio, but it doesn't mean that you are not humble in spirit. 
It's not English, it's Greek. <laughs> Amen. She knew the scope of what pertained. She said, all the king's servants, all the people of the king's provinces, whoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the inner courts, not the altar, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death. She knew her husband. Although he had had a public holiday for her, Esther was loved above whatever. If you break his law, he kills you. Do you know your husband's downside and weaknesses? Because everybody has a left leg, like Bishop says. Everybody has a right leg and a left leg. So in dealing with Kinahesuros, she knew that if you don't observe protocol or the law, it is so important to him that he can kill you even if you are the queen. And perhaps she was wiser than some of you. She looked at Vashti's example and saw that this man, he doesn't spare, even if he's drunk. And I am not special. Amen. But some of you, so, he says that his wife worries him. So he's just waiting to leave her. Then we can set our wedding date. Lady Reverend, he, she says that he, he, she gives him a lot of problems. Lady Reverend, instead of learning that, why did your wife leave you? When people want to remind, I say, oh, his wife left him. He was just what I said. Okay, granted, but why? So I suppose they had problems. I don't know. They had disagreements. They were, not, they were just were not getting on. They were not compatible. Please, incompatibility is one of the greatest attractions to marriage. Incompatibility. Because if you are the same, you don't need the other. Amen. Or oh, they were just not compatible. So you don't know the facts. But Esther knew that this king has serious. Over something, he can change all the laws in the land. And that if he has not called you, all the peoples, all the servants, I may be a queen, but I am under this law as well. And anybody who comes to him in the inner court, not the outer, who has not called, been called by him, and if he does not stretch that golden scepter, you are dead. You should know the facts. But knowing the facts does not mean being a condemning spouse. When Esther said that this king, this is the law that operates here, she didn't say he's very hard, he's very wicked, he's very this, because nobody will be perfect. So sometimes there's a way of looking at somebody's weaknesses without demeaning the person. But many of us destroy our relationships because we make the men in our lives like doormats. And we step on them. There's no honor. There's no respect. There's no dignity. We just take what we think is their downside. And we just trample them underfoot. And that is not of God. The Bible says, giving honor unto whom honor is due. You honor your husband because he's your head. Not because he's perfect. Because he's your head. So she knew, she was aware that even though I'm in the palace, there's this protocol that is here. And I do not think I am an exception. Some of us, we feel we are wives. So they say, eh, they are greeting you because you are the CEO. But I'm your wife. Me, I know everything about you. They, they don't know everything about you. That's why they respect you like that. You should be the life president of your husband's fan club. And you should be like NBC. It's not contestable. The Swedish declaration. Nobody else can stand for that position. <laughs> Amen. She knew the scope of what pertained in the palace. And she said there's one law. She knew that there were no other laws. <laughs> and she also knew that there was a proviso. I'm giving you legal lecture. You see, when a law is made, any person who does this and that commits an offense and shall be liable to this, anybody who does this, 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 then there's always a proviso. Notwithstanding this provision, persons who have served for 10 years may do this and that and that. So the general law is there. But then there's a proviso that provided this. This is the exception. You understand? 
So Esther is saying that the law is there, but there is also a proviso which she knew about that when the king stretches out his scepter, then that one you won't die because even though you came, he has agreed to your coming. So there may be laws, there may be general things, but you, do you know the provisos in your relationship with your husband? You know, he doesn't like this and this and that, but when this happens, he'll be okay. He doesn't like banku stew and all that, but when it's with rice, he may be okay. What is the proviso in the negotiation? You must know. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't worry, we'll end soon. She made known the lim- her limitations. She said, I have not been called these 30 days. The king has not called me. You can only go in when you are called. But I have not been called these 30 days. She knew that even though she was queen, she had limitations. You may be a wife, but you have your limitations. Some of your limitations may be that you may be a wife, but you are not the personal Holy Ghost to your husband. You can stand sometimes in the place of what God would do, like you give counsel, you give advice, but at the end of the day, you have your limitations as a wife. And sometimes some of you in marrying, you think that everything I say he would do. Is he a zombie? Did God not give him a mind of his own? Did God not give him desires of his own? But you have that expectation that love is when he agrees to everything I say. And number two, when he sees everything the way I see it. And so when you marry and it doesn't happen that way, then you suffer heartache. Because you say he doesn't care. It's not that he doesn't care, but he doesn't do things your way. Amen. So she knew that I, I have not been called these 30 days. Everybody that the king calls, you are free. You can go to the inner court and you can flow in. But there's a hitch there. For 30 days now, I've not been called. So you may be a spouse. You may be an Esther. You may be a whatever. But you have your limitations with your husband or your spouse or your beloved. You have limitations. You are not the all-sufficient God, El Shaddai. Jehovah El Shaddai. You are not. Amen. So we must know our limitations. And then when she went and told Mordecai that, she was open to instruction and guidance. So Mordecai said, well, don't think that you you are going to escape. You've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Think about it. And she did. And she sent an answer. Go and tell him that they should fast for me for three days. My maidens and I will also fast, and then I'll go in unto the king. Many of us in our relationships, we don't fight our battles spiritually. All our weapons are carnal. Your weapons are insults. Your weapons are juju. Your weapons are sakawa. Your weapons are charms. Your weapons are amulets. Your weapons are slander. Saying things about your spouse, your family, his in-laws. Those are your weapons. But Esther recognized that the cardinal weapon I need in this life is a spiritual weapon. So she said, before I go in, it's not by might. Neither is it by power, it is by the Holy Spirit. So let me attack it from the spiritual standpoint. Do you ever pray about your relationship? The Bible says the heart of the king is in God's hands. Your king is your husband because anyone who has authority over you is a king. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in God's hands and he turns it with us whoever he will. The heart of the king is not in your hands. Unfortunately. The heart of the king is in God's hands. And it's God who turns it. So he is the one you should go to and speak to. Say, turn this man's heart. Turn this man's heart. Some of you, you marry unbelievers. So write the verse down. Turn this man's heart, Lord, concerning this problem. Turn his heart concerning this in-law crisis. Turn his heart concerning his misbehavior. You see, when we had the minister's wise conference just last month, 
And I was saying, some of you, you thought you were marrying perfect people when you married pastors. They are good, but they are not perfect. And then some older women were sitting at the back who have come from everywhere. And they were saying, go and see him at home. Misbehavior. Eh, eh, eh. Almost as if he's in a gymnasium. Just say, oh, Jimmy, come and as I was preaching. So people were sitting in the crowd. And people came to tell me, Mommy, you don't know the nerves you touched. And after that, we broke into small groups. Hey! People went to town. But many people, when you ask them, have you prayed about this problem? Usually they haven't. Instead of going to the throne room, they go to the phone. They have shared with everybody, he's done this, he's this, he's that, he's that. But because they are not spiritual, it doesn't occur to them that take it to the Lord in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. You are not taking advantage of that privilege. To carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what pain we needless bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You don't have a prayer component. You pray only when things are not good. You don't pray and commit everything into God's hands. Psalm 37 says that trust, commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Commit. It starts with you committing it to him. I know wonderful lady pastors and women in this church who have stood and fallen on their knees for their spouses, for things to change. And God has done it. It was not instant coffee or instant tea, but God still had. But how come you, there's nothing spiritual. Every choice you make is your own choice. I like him. I'm flowing. It will work. I'm in love. I'm this. I'm that. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. You may be queen. But you still need God's favor. You still need God's wisdom. You still need God's preservation to help you. Look, sometimes I am so afraid. When healing Jesus was going to um, Nigeria. Because I was on the pulpit in Atlanta. When my husband sent me a text from Nigeria some years ago that we have been attacked by armed robbers in the church. I was just about to go and mount the pulpit when I heard this. And I was still supposed to go and preach powerfully. And then after that, a few minutes after, he sent another text. I'm in shock. Our policeman has been shot. And I'm still supposed to go on the stage. And I was going to preach about the weapon of stillness. God will let you learn your own sermon before you come and stand here to share it with people. And then I didn't hear from him again. So in between getting ready to go on the pulpit, I, kept, I started to call all the influential people I thought I knew. In the end, something supernatural happened. All our bishops were there. All our head pastors from all over were there. And God just did a miracle and saved their lives. And then now, that was a weekend or so. Now you come and tell me that you're going to do healing Jesus in Ofa or Kerry. Here, there, there, there. Hmm. Ijero. And when they show their videos, you clap and clap and clap. It's wonderful. But many times during my quiet time, I have to tell God, Father, I am afraid. Father, I'm tempted to worry. And then the Lord gave me a verse where David said, He delivers me from all my fears. So I said, Oh, so you can have fears. And He will actually deliver you from them. Wow. And it was on one of those fearful events that God gave me a message about, you know, when Jesus said, let's cross from here to the other side. And as they were going, a big storm arose. They didn't know what to do. And the people said, don't you care that we are perishing? And Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and the sea. And do you know what God taught me in that? I used to think that you can only have peace when there's no storm. 
But God told me that in the midst of the storm, my presence is with you. So it's not that you won't have a storm. It's not that you won't have a reason to be afraid. But in the midst of it, I am with you. What are you going to do? Have a pity party when they move to offer. Okay, here, you're always crying, having a pity party, thinking, what are you going to do? Hey, you have to live and be happy. You will break down every time and then you will start to now control. Do you have to go? Have you thought about the pros and cons? Do you have to go? And you know, as the visionary, so many things fall on Bishop. It's not just our personal lives. It's the lives of everybody else. This person dies, it affects us. This person, this, it affects us. This person that... I mean, Bishop Saki was just telling me a few days ago that one of our people who died, some of the external relatives came and said that we have used them for Sikadru. Yes, a church. I was so shocked. I said, ah, how, how do people get their ideas? Is it that you are like that so it occurs to you? Or what is it about? All that gives you pain. It gives you a burden. So apart from your own private life, you're also carrying so many things. And therefore, I cannot do anything without a divine hand holding me. That's why I say that I am so weak, so weak, but he's strong. And he says that the greater one is in me. So it's not that I'm some great prayer warrior, but my fears make me prayerful. Amen. My fears, my worries, a thousand and one things that can go wrong. I learned to cast my care upon him. You know, this year sometimes things have happened. People have sent me emails. We are thinking about you. It must be very difficult. How are you feeling? Oh, God. They don't know that your grace has increased on my life. Sometimes I feel like a senior prefect. That's why when you come, I tell you it will be well. Because you are in class one. Me, I finished BC, I'm doing WASI. It will be well with you. God is faithful. So learn to always do spiritual warfare. Don't rely on your energy, your beauty, your this. Esther was beautiful, but that is not what gets the king's attention. Develop a life of prayer. It will help you. Amen, ladies. Let's run through. Quickly. Share your problem with someone who has a burden with you and not just anybody. Mordecai had the same burden that Esther had. So she shared the same burden with the, the same the problem with the same person who has a burden. You know sometimes you share your problem with people and you can see that they don't get it and they don't care. I mean, that's the bottom line. You say, oh, this and this is happening. Oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Or even sometimes you are saying, this and this is happening. Then they are asking you other things. The taxi driver, did he come? That this and this happened. That you can see that their minds are not on you. So don't just share with anybody. Share with somebody who will bear the burden with you and help you to come through. Hallelujah. Now let's read on. The Bible says that Esther... I believe that five the Bible says that she put on her royal apparel in the house to join us what's going on <laughs> verse 5, verse five verse, chapter 5 verse 1 now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. Some of you, when you are going to stand in the inner court, you will not dress appropriately. The Bible says that when Joseph was in jail and the king sent for him, Genesis 41, 14, he didn't just come. The Bible says that he went and changed his robes he shaved his beard, he put on his robe, and then came into the king's presence. How you look also affects whether you will be heard or not. Amen. Sometimes when you are going to discuss something with your husband, you should look very sharp. Ladies, you are very powerful weapons. 
I tell people, even if you are a housewife, make sure you dress up nicely before he leaves the house. But every time you have this, uh, what, net, uh, what does Bishop call it? Katehado. The stockings over your weave on. You have your nighty, which is so some way. Your hair is not done. Middle stains, you look so old. Every morning you look like that. And you're always saying, now oh, you're going to work here. Eh? Okay, the baby is crying. Why? <laughs> that wig that you wear outside for all of us to see. Wake up in the morning. Wear your nice jeans or your shorts. Wear your nice top. Put on that wig. Look nice. And let your children or your husband ask you, hey, where are you going? <laughs> One lady told me that she did that. And then her children said, hey. Where are you going? Her friends met her. Hey, where are you going? She said, Oh, but I'm in the house. Hey, you are in the house and have fun personal day. <laughs> and she said, That is the teachings in the church. Because look, whether you are a Christian, you are born again, you don't have to push your spouses into temptation. As he is going to the office, his secretary is smartly dressed, you know. Good morning, sir. Can I have, get some coffee for you? And then you are, Hey, Roger, come here. Where are you going? He's human. He is human. So ladies, do your hair at home. Look nice at home. Learn to buy casual things. It's not only wedding dress that's nice. Church dress that's nice. But casual things, hard to. Nice safety pin. Why? Why? And when you look nice in the house for yourself, you yourself, you are happy. Don't you want to look nice? I don't understand it. You are pounding some fufu every time we see you. You are a certain way. No. Even learn to wear jewelry at home. But as soon as you come, no. You are moving. Can you not wear your nice jewelry at home? Why? It's only for the office. Oh, come on. Look nice. <laughs> Buy nice slippers. Nice slippers. They don't cost much. They don't cost much. Every day, Eja Kojo has been naming this day. It's okay. And some of you don't even wear shoes at home at all. Just slippers. When the, the, uh, the gates, whatever, you come barefooted. Hey, come on, you have become a what in the house. And then when visitors are coming, you are now running. Hey, could you? Hey, Always look nice. So that's Omoba. Hello, Dede. How are you? Come in. But every time a visitor is coming, you are running away. Because you are inadequately dressed. But Esther, she put on her royal apparel. Amen, ladies. And she stood in the inner court. She didn't just go and stand there. We are all affected by looks. That's why the Bible says man judges by the outward. But God judges by the heart. So whatever you do, man judges by the outward. Sometimes like you are going for an interview, you have failed before you even answer the question. Because your appearance. They say that you will never have a, a second chance to make a first impression. You will not. You are coming, your thing, uh, drinking chocolate has gone into your shirt. You are always saying, oh, hey, me. if you take me a while. You didn't you know that such things happen in trotros. So you should have taken precautions. You don't know, you, that is why you didn't get the job. It's not your intelligence, it's not your willingness to whatever, but the way your presentation failed you. Appearance is important. Amen. Amen. Good grooming, so learn it. And she came and stood in the inner court. The Bible says she obtained favor, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. She stood where the king could see her. You see, although they have prayed for you, prayer warriors have shouted, you also need to use wisdom. Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. You won't dress well, and you say that my prayers didn't work. It's not that. God has granted you the favor, but you have imposed disfavor on yourself. 
by wearing that old wig that looks like something that belongs to a corpse. That is why. It's true. So, Lady Reverend says that when our hair is looking disheveled, we should get something to put on. So, it's not something nice or something. Surely you are wearing something. So, when the king held out the scepter, then Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. You have to observe protocol. You have to show respect. You have to flow with the values of the house. Not that because you are a queen, nothing matters. She waited for the king to stretch out the scepter, and then she touched it before she came into the presence of the king. So even though you may be married, you may be so familiar with your husband and all that, there are certain protocols. I always say that when I come to church and there's a staff meeting, I am not a spouse, I'm a member of staff. Amen. So you can't just get up and say that, ah, but why are you saying that this? But you, he's your boss when you come to work. He's not that man sleeping by your side in the bed. He's not. He's now your boss. You have to speak with respect. Not that you just manifest in her home. I'm a wife, so as for me, I can speak like this. Esther, the golden scepter was, and she touched it. And then she drew near because of that. And that endears you to the person you are coming to. Every man wants honor and respect, even when you think he doesn't deserve it. Some of you, you feel that he doesn't deserve it because he doesn't give enough chop money. But he's your husband anyway. Amen, eh? Amen. Hmm. We are moving on. She stood in the place where she would catch the king's attention. Don't be rude. Don't have an attitude. Don't go in anger. And don't be overcome with emotions. Amen. And when she showed the king that respect, the king also ad- addressed her as Queen Esther. What would thou, or what would you want, Queen Esther? What you sow, you reap. When you show respect to your husband, he will also show respect to you. All things being equal. <laughs> there are provisos here. But by and large, he will show you the same respect. So he said, what would you want, Queen Esther? Not just a former slave girl. Uh-huh, I've made you queen, eh? Obanoa, what would you like? No. But he addressed her as Queen Esther. And then Esther said, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for them. Amen. She asked politely. She asked as if she was inviting formally. If it please the king. If it please the king. Some pastor's wives have told me they cannot call their husband's pastor. Let alone bishop. Be what? One pastor's wife, not from here, she told me, I can never call him pastor. With this is misbehavior. I can never. And I said, but it's an office God has set him in. It's not behavior, misbehavior, good behavior. It's not anything like that. It's an office that God has. She said, I can never end even now. I want to leave his church and go to another branch of our church because I cannot receive from him. I cannot. I said, you know, begin to sow honor. Begin to sow respect. It will come back to you. Sometimes in my house, I'm doing something, my husband calls me without thinking. I say, yes, Bishop, I'll be there. Yes, Bishop, did you say? Bishop, what would you like to eat? Then I, I see that he, like, he's not expecting it. Because from the university, we have called ourselves always by first names. And this is not even intentional. It just comes. Bishop, shall I get you a Coke? Ah, yes. I see that he recovers. Yes. But that endears you. To the person. If everybody calls him Bishop. But that's what you call him Yawata. Yawata bra. Yawata faha. Yawata yese. Yawata this. Yawata wine wine. You know? I feel that a lot of things are not difficult to do. And they are not costly. But we won't do them. Why? Even when I'm talking to my friends. It's just natural that I say. And Bishop said. And even Bishop was saying. It's not something. But as I've met other persons. I say. Hey. You call your husband bishop. Hey, you try. Why would I say a man offering? No. 
I had a friend who used to say, Would you heaven done a beer? Wouldn't you first person? Hey, how can you? And God will give you grace. And she was not in a hurry with her emotions. You see, if I were Esther, I would like to get straight to the point. I'll not invite him to any dinner. I'll say, King, this may be my last opportunity. Remember, 30 days I've not been called. And remember that if the scepter is not stretched out to you, and you remember that there's been fasting and prayer. So everything must be said today. Everything must work today, and I should finish. So I'll just say that. Okay, King, good afternoon. I'm very happy to have come here. But you, are you Haman? He has sent this into the end. The thing is very urgent. If I don't tell you now, they'll start killing the Jews before I know. So please, these are the things that one, two, three, and four that really have to be solved. I can't invite you to a dinner, then I'm going around when the issues are there. And there's no time because of the urgency of it. The people are going to be killed. The decree has gone out. This Haman is powerful. Now I'm going to do dinner, banquet, sir. It won't work. Many times you are too driven by your emotions, too driven by the urgency of the moment that we do not take the wisdom that God gives us. But Esther knew that God was in control and that God in his own good time and his own good way would do it. So I believe that the prayer granted her that wisdom. So she said, oh, if you and Haman could come for dinner, if it please you, if it please you. She didn't even force, but I would say that this dinner, you must really come. Because in my head, it's very important. If I invite you and you don't come, it's going to be a real problem. So it's very important that you come. You know, and that is working on the flesh. Using our own energies, our own drives, our own influences, instead of relying on the Holy Spirit. But I believe that Esther was coolly resting in God. And that's why she could invite the king and Haman twice. Hey! Serious matters are high. Often you have a banquet, not once but twice, on different days. And then the king said to her that I will give you half of my kingdom. When he asked her, Esther, what is it? Ask anything, and I'll give you half my kingdom. Some of us would have thought, hey, half the kingdom is my personal wealth, my the gold, one twenty-seven provinces from India to Ethiopia. And then these Jews, when they finish, what can they give me? They can't give me anything. So because of covetousness like Lot, because of covetousness like Eve, you will choose the case. Ah, I didn't come for this, but it seems God has thrown some divine favor my way. This must be God. You will give me half of your kingdom. This really must be God. Yes. So, you know, 63 and a half prov- Ah, sister. So if you can give me just 63 and a half prov- half of your kingdom, I'll be very powerful. So you will forget why you came. And you will be led by other things. And many times, when women are in conflict, they forget why they came to discuss. And they get thrown off into other directions about what they have come to discuss. You've come. You said that you want to talk about how your husband, maybe, does not have time to be with the children. So you've come. And I wanted us to talk about this. I feel that you don't have time for the children. By you, last time. But the children not left with you, and then you went to the wedding, you forgot it, then you leave that one. And go and tackle things that, that is not why you came. And that is why our negotiations don't get anywhere. Because we are easily sidetracked. Now you come back to defend yourself, and not deal with the real issue. But I was reading a book, he said that, you must use the broken record principle. You know, like when a CD is scratched, when you play, to play the same place. Huh? So he says that when you come to negotiate something, and the person is sidetracking you. You can say that, oh, yes, I may have done that at the wedding, but I wanted us to talk about how we can structure such that you have time for the children. And you, last time, when they were writing exams, did I not? What, oh, you did, but I just want us to know how to. But don't do it so that you are foolish, what you are saying, but you, don't, but you keep on the point why you came. So Esther stayed focused on why she came. And many of us will be wishy-washy. Oh, have the kingdom. Sounds nice. Then you are being turned. And then it was at the second banquet that she spoke. To me, that action shows that the best way to a man's heart is through the stomach. <laughs> because she made a banquet. She made it twice. Relaxed him totally before she brought up her problem. But some of you, when your husbands come home, 
they have not even drank water, then you start. And you, today when I called you, didn't you hear? Why didn't you pick the phone? You always do that. And this and that and that. You are driving the person out of home. The home will not be a haven for him. Whenever he's coming, he's thinking about storms and he doesn't want to come. But you can make it a haven by putting your issues secondary and putting his well-being first. Amen. So Esther made all these banquets and then the king said, so what is it? Where have you? So my people and I, we are going to be killed. She didn't go straight to the point. She just started from a place that my people and I are going to be killed. Eh, who is going to kill you? And now herself came fully. Said this wicked man called Haman, he's the one. She had orchestrated the drama fully. When she said this wicked man, the king said, what? Are you the one? And he got so angry and left. And the Haman now went on Esther's bed to go and beg her. And the king said, hey, now you have even reached the bed. It's over. And that is what won the thing for Esther. There are many more points in the negotiation, but I'll have to bring it to an end now. And continue. So I would say that look out in the bookshop for part two. It's likely to be preached elsewhere. God bless you. (laughs) Now, we have very little time, so I'll take very, very few questions. So let them come forward, and then I will flow by the grace of God. No, the sh- you prefer to write, isn't it? When you write, it's different from when you speak. So write it, and then, but if your question is not read, you have to understand. One day we'll believe God to just have a Q&A program, and it will work. Hallelujah. Well, let's put our hands together for Jesus. We believe you have been blessed by this powerful teaching from the Kodesh, Lighthouse Chapel International. For further inquiries, please call 030-7010-444. That's 030-7010-444. God richly bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.